Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Hello and welcome. I am Mark Cohen. She is Marsha Collier and we are Computer and Technology Radio. And thank you for joining us and finding us. We've had a lot of new listeners, which is fantastic. You can find us, tell your friends, on almost any streaming service. Today we're going to have a lot of covering about Elon Musk buying Twitter and Lunar Dust sold at auction. Pretty cool. And we'll give you a couple of quick tax tips for Tax Day, uh, which happens on Monday. Uh, Marsha, how are you? And the very best show I have ever seen on Netflix. Now, let's hold it back on that because that's towards the end of the show. And you guys do not want to miss this. Twitter, the whole world has gone wild. Yeah, it's a little crazy. I got to say, I had a fun week. I hosted Jay Leno this week. And well, number one, what a super nice guy. But had a yes, lot to say about nice. cars and electric cars. He's a big fan of electric cars. He's got 289 cars. And uh, so he was, a, you know, he's a big fan of technology. So uh, maybe one yeah, day we'll see be able to him all the time. He, he actually yeah. goes to the Bob's Big Boy oh, <laughs> where we oh, go. Oh, yeah, for his, uh, yeah, they do, the, they do the car shows over there. Yeah, well, he uh, goes there for food, too. <laughs> and I got I got to give us a little props. I don't know if he was uh, just being nice or he whatever. He was but just I, being nice. He was definitely you don't even know just what I, being nice. You don't even know what I was going to say. Uh, I know. So I, I, wa- I know, Jay. He's just being nice. Whatever okay, he said. So, okay, so <laughs> I'll go. say it. Thanks, Marsha. I, uh, when I walked into the door, I said, he got up, said hello to me, and he said, hey, you do the technology show, don't you? And I said, I do. And he said, I really love your show. I said, thanks, Jay. Yeah, I thought that's that was sweet. Really sweet. You know, he has people who do research. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, I don't think so. I think he was absolutely being 100% true. Well, you know, and the thing is that I was talking to someone uh, this week that I'm working with, and I said, but of course you Google someone every time before you meet them. Of course. And they right. said, absolutely. So, yep. you know, it's not it's not tough to find out, but polite and wonderful, and that's great Very to hear nice. because his humor is timeless he yeah, is just timeless totally in other news mark this is like all over the internet everybody's going crazy you know we talked about rich guys and what they do with their money yeah <laughs> remember last week he, you know what he, he must didn't come up with the board company for no reason this guy gets bored five minutes after he's done something so what did he do this week well this week well you know the thing is yeah Elon Musk probably has a lot of ADD going on. I mean, but let's face it. He makes the challenges and he's successful. He's the only one. Oh, he's amazing. He's the only one who will lie on the floor of the Tesla factory and pitch in when they have to meet a deadline. I mean, he is unstoppable. And although I'm not a big fan of his implanting uh, things in pigs' brains, you know, I'm not a fan (laughs) of that. But, you know, I think he tries things. If they work, he runs with it and runs hard. And he's been a big user of Twitter. So mm-hmm. he announced on Friday, uh, he announced actually on Wednesday that he was going to buy and he had bought 9.2% of Twitter. They offered him a board seat because, hey, he's, he's our largest stockholder, you know, might as well. He's Elon Musk. Yeah, right. But 
The SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, has a few rules on that. And once you take a board seat, you can only own so much of a company. So there would still be a chance that his opinions and his plans for the company would be voted out. So he declined the board seat and instead offered to buy the rest of the company for $43 billion or $54.20 per share. He got in his 420 mark. You know, his yeah, right, exactly. There. And he said he'll take the company private, which means that it would not be on the stock exchange. And he, he has hinted since that he may involve fellow Twitter users or other investors to help him meet his goal. Because let's face it, I seriously doubt that Elon has uh, liquid money. Uh, a whole lot. Most of his money is invested in stuff, right? So he doesn't have that kind of money just laying around in, in under the mattress. So, you know, I did the math and, you know, he's got 83 million followers if what they just bought, 10 shares a piece, you know, maybe you could you know, have a little consortium, whatever. Uh, his own little people, but Twitter is losing its mind and Twitter employees especially because they don't, Twitter does not like the fact that they don't have full control of the site. I'm a member of Birdwatch, which is a group where occasionally I'm asked to double check the veracity of some of the tweets, or, you know, if this is offensive, if it triggers you, if it does something, or comment on other people's proof that a, a tweet is real. And interestingly, when he first started this, Twitter was putting up these queries that only members of Birdwatch can see uh, all the time. You know, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He said that. He said that. And it's just they're terrified. So what they did was offer a poison pill plan which, quote, if any person or group acquires beneficial ownership of at least 15% of Twitter's outstanding common stock without the board's approval, keywords there, other shareholders will be allowed to purchase additional shares at a discount, which means they could take it, all the employees at Twitter who maybe have stock options, they would allow them to exercise it so they could keep hold of the company. But an interesting thing happened, and that is Vanguard Group, the big mutual fund company, has been jumping in, and they have been buying Twitter stock, and now they are the largest shareholder at 10%. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a little crazy. Uh, analyst Dan Ives told CNN that Musk or other shareholders could challenge the poison pill in court, potentially forcing Twitter's board to prove that they acted in the best interest of shareholders. Now, remember, shareholders are not necessarily users of the site. In my opinion, Twitter is our world, and I love the idea of free speech, and I think it would be great. And, of course, people are saying all kinds of things, you know, it would be dominated by the richest and most powerful people who wouldn't be accountable for facts, truth, science, for the common good. Well, Elon could keep going on Birdwatch. 
There's no problem. I mean, people are all up in arms about this uh, for political reasons or whatever. Just pull out your popcorn. If you're at all interested in Twitter, and I love it, there was nothing as fun as watching the Dodger game last night with all my buds on Twitter. It was great. So keep your eyes open. This is going to be really interesting. Uh, You know, Elon just may lose. It's too hard. It's too hard. 21 minutes ago, he tweeted, love me tender, with little (laughs) musical notes. And he's done a couple posts on his page where he asks questions like, taking Twitter private at 5420 should be up to shareholders, not the board. Check yes or no. Well, 2,859,34 votes were cast. Uh, That's a lot of casts on the final results. And 83.5 people said yes. And I'm looking now and I'm seeing, help Twitter rate the four notes on this tweet, only visible to birdwatch contributors. What could anyone possibly say? The man ran a poll. He can run a poll. He can ask people's opinions. So this could be a big free speech thing. And I hope Elon does it because it is one of his passions. And it would make life even more interesting. So there you go. I'm not talking about it from a financial standpoint because, you know, the stock market is always craziness. It's just more of a people. Twitter has definitely become the town hall of the world. So there you yeah, go. It's very interesting. And, and he probably is one of the most interesting people of his generation. Right. Uh, he's just a <laughs> fascinating guy. The things he's done, you know, when he started um, uh, Tesla, people said, no way. You know, no, he's going to sell four cars. You know, and he has certainly proven that he was smart enough to get Tesla going, that a lot of people love driving and owning Teslas, and uh, he's a pretty brilliant Well, you know, guy, an interesting say. thing, you mentioned Tesla, and Tesla was named after a scientist, Nicholas Tesla. Right, of course. Nicholas yeah. Tesla actually had the right idea about electricity, but because, uh, oh, wait a minute, who was the other guy with the electricity? Anyway, PR campaigns, uh, politics, and all kinds of things put Nicholas Tesla out of the picture. If we had run our electricity the way Nicholas Tesla said, it might have been different. We might have had a whole different power grid. But, you know, let's let people decide instead of politicians. That's all I can say. Fascinating, brilliant people out there, no question about it. So you found a Um, thing about how China's COVID lockdowns mean less iPhones? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they say that Apple could see a shortfall in millions, uh, millions of fewer iPhones if the COVID uh, Chinese COVID precautions locking down Shanghai factories persist for weeks or for months. Uh, China, the uh, country's authorities have locked down affected areas like Shanghai and Kushan. Uh, these areas are part suppliers that could fall, uh, that could lead to a large fall. F- uh, sorry, can't talk. Shortfall of millions of phones. Uh, they've been under lockdown in Shanghai now for three weeks. If it lasts more than two months and Apple isn't able to make up production elsewhere, it could lead to a shortfall of six to ten million iPhones. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. They fabricate the iPhone 13 
uh, the iPhone SE at uh, their supplier, Pegatron, uh, and also older iPhones. So they may have to shut down some of the production, and one, it could certainly affect Apple in a, a particularly negative way. You know, if you're looking, the iPhones typically come out around September. So we're still about four months or so the next, but if that continues, and my understanding, and I don't know enough about what they did in China in terms of vaccines and such, the rumor is that they did not use the same kind of vaccines that we use. Well, I have which to tell you, to this big I have to of, tell you uh, the COVID. story, Mark. I I have spoken to two people. Remember our friend Sean, uh, who was yeah, in Hong Kong, uh, not mentioning his right. full name or real name for that right. matter. Uh, he has escaped to Shenzhen because the okay. restrictions are so terrible. And I spoke to somebody else who, who is in Hong Kong, and they're terrorized. They, this is an American. They're absolutely terrorized because they can't leave their apartment. So yeah. it's, it, it's crazy over it's there. It's a difficult, very difficult thing to, to and go on. And it could also you know, affect we'll Lenovo much. and Dell laptops, which are also made, well, sure. made in the same area. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, uh, and we've already had a supply chain issue for the last two years now. So uh, hopefully that's not the case. But it, it certainly appears to be that that's going to be uh, a very negative. And I can't remember quite how many iPhones they sell annually. So I don't know a percentage. I'd have to look that up to see what six to ten million phones uh, is a as lot. a result of how many. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean it's a big, <laughs> it's a big amount of phones. Yeah, when uh, off the look when we do the next story and see how many iPhones they actually sell annually. But yeah, it's a big problem. So we'll uh, we'll follow that story as we go along. Keep you posted as to whether or not that affects anything that you may do, you know, in your future of buying an iPhone or iPhone or iPad products or anything like that. So um, that's the basic story. Um, okay. So you so found a hot, uh, the hot app. You know, my daughter works at a university, and there is an app that is sweeping campuses. And, you know, people, when this first came out, and I had read about it a few weeks ago, and I had downloaded it, it is Gen Z's favorite new app. It is amazing. I mean, forget everything else. Forget Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. But never mind, this is it. It's called Be Real. And according to the website, it's a new and unique way to discover who your friends really are in their daily life. Because okay. when you're on Instagram, everybody gets dolled up for the picture. And you can use filters and all kinds of things to make yourself look right. better. But so the app works like this, and, and I've downloaded it. Every day at a different time, uh, the user will get a push notification, and they have then exactly two minutes to open Be Real and snap a picture of what they're doing. The app will activate both the front and back cameras on the user's phone. So actually, the person takes two photos, which are uploaded simultaneously. The daily post is called a Be Real. Uh, when I downloaded the phone, uh, the app, I did see that it shares location. I don't know if it's exact location, and I won't be using it until I find that because uh, I don't want people to know. Now, if you All don't right. do your be real in that two minute window, you can do it later. But 
it doesn't get as much play. And it seems to be so much fun that people can actually see in real, in real time what their friends are doing. There's uh, no photo editing capability. Uh, your camera cannot access any filters. You can't spice up the post in any way after you publish it. If you look frazzled, that's too damn bad. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, it seems a little gimmicky to me. It's probably going to be fun for a little while to do it that. It looks like such fun. And I, I really would love to get into it because I don't know what to do. <laughs> I just have to, I, I think before anyone uses it, check out the privacy policy and the location. So and that's the big problem with most of these apps, you know, and we've been telling you for a long time, be aware that when you download a new app, you're downloading an app that may have a lot of issues that gives away private stuff. And I do find that for most apps now, you do immediately get the privacy policy, or if you go to a website, the privacy policy, you know, pops up. I hope that when you tell them to honor the privacy policy by saying no to, you know, different opt out of different things that it actually works. But how do we know if it actually works? But this yeah. app, this has nothing to do with the privacy policy. It's part well, right. of no, the this app. Is just it different. shows yeah. a map right. with a pin in it as to where you are. So I don't know. Active users have grown 315% year to date. I mean, that's, yeah. that's amazing. So yeah, that's uh, it looks like fun. It looks very cool. I may break down and try it because you can, again, do your delayed picture till I think 17 hours later, but it will say on your picture that you delayed it. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's your be real officially or not, it comes in question, well, right, that's, but, yeah, that's but it's so cool. I, I think Wait, it pops up. How often, how often does it pop once up a during day. the day? Once a day. Oh, just once a day. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if it's popping up all the time, that's going to be annoying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, once a day, if you're somebody who's into social media and you're a kid and it's, I, I think it's a lot of fun. It's fun, Mark. Fun, fun, fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yay. I think I'm going to pass on it, but uh, you have a good time and let us know how it works. Out. I will do that. Uh, all right. <laughs> what, uh, what is, uh, let's see, what three word navigation? Okay. What is it? Well, we were at yeah. CES a couple times, and I was talking to the What Three Words people, and you wandered off in search of Jim Cracks and Gee Gaws. <laughs> yep. But, that was some cool stuff, too. Yeah, right. But I was fascinated by What Three Words is. Um, what Three Words breaks down the entire globe to basically uh, three meter by three meter squares. And instead of using an, and that's like 10 feet by 10 feet. So right. it's a mapping company that puts the world into a grid. Each one of those squares gets its own identifier, which is made up of three random words, which is hence the company name. What three words? And it seems after, I'm very excited after the couple of years that I was fascinated with this, it's definitely taking off. I mean, for example, um, World Trade Center, uh, the squares are Cycle, Rugs, Lucky. And their other entrance is Gift, okay. Spray, Ties. And if you're curious about your address, you can go to what three words.com that's what 
and then the number three words.com. Put in your address and you can go to satellite view, see a great picture of your neighborhood. I was looking at your house earlier. See who, who of your neighbors are neglecting their lawn. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you can find where you live. But the, the whole thing is that Subaru, Mercedes-Benz, Jaguar, Land Rover, Ford, and Lamborghini and Lotus are using W3W, which is short for what three words, in their global positioning right. system. So this is like this is a trend. It's going to happen. And the big deal is if you go to some buildings and you don't know where the entrance is, you somebody mm -hmm. could say to you, the entrance to the building is at Banana Charles Kitty. <laughs> you know, and then you'd look up on what three words where that is and you'd see a picture in satellite mode of where the front door is. So, yeah, I think right. it's cool. I think it's great. And I'm glad to see it's actually coming to fruition. Very cool. And by the way, I just checked. Uh, in, the la in the last quarter of last year, Apple sold 84 million iPhones. So I don't there know if you go. can multiply that times four, which would be over 300 million. You know, so uh, six to 10 million is a big chunk of phones. But it's probably not going to disrupt anything interesting. Right, now, so, even uh, though tax, even tax though tax day, day is Monday, and somebody may be listening to this show after that, so quickly, what tips do you have for last-minute e-filers? And also remember that a lot of people file extensions. So uh, there are a number of people that don't necessarily file their taxes on the uh, the fifteenth, or in this case, because it's a weekend, it's the eighteenth. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people use uh, tax prep software, and for the most part, they're actually pretty good. If your return is not too complicated, it's not a bad idea to e-file. You can e-file directly online. You can pay your taxes if you need to do that directly online. You don't have to worry about rushing. You know, in the old days, people used to rush. There were lines at the post office for people to actually uh, deposit because you had to be post by by a certain date. So that was something you don't have to do anymore with e-filing. You can just go online and pay whatever taxes or, you know, file for your returns. Uh, be, be very careful. There's a lot of uh, spike in return theft of people that are actually filing but not getting their returns because some criminal is hacking into the system and getting their money. So there's a lot of IRS fraud filters that are more stringent. So you want to make sure that when you fill out your taxes and you do it online, that you're actually connecting to the right site, that you're actually connecting directly to an IRS website. Do not go to some site just because it says, we'll file our taxes for you. Make sure you go to a very reputable uh, site, like a TurboTax, for example, or an H&R Block. Those will help you file taxes. Uh, it'll also allow you to get extensions, uh, tell you what your penalties are and when you have to pay. So you need to do that. Remember that this Monday you have to be, uh, by 11.59, p.m., you have to be postmarked if you're actually doing it by mail. Uh, and if you can't, again, you can you can apply for a tax um um, uh, what was I just going to say? You can apply for an extension, but you still owe the tax. So don't think that if you apply for an extension, you don't have to pay your taxes anymore. You need to do that. And, you know, just uh, go on the websites, check around, use some of the programs. Like I say, probably the best way to do that is if you don't want to use an expensive accountant, use a TurboTax or something like that. And uh, those will work out really well for you. 
Um, so tax time, sorry about that, happens every year. Okay, so, we got a lot of uh, space news. Well, we're going to do oh, go this really say? quick, the space news, because it's crazy. So it seems that lunar dust connected, collected by Neil Armstrong sold for $500,000 at an auction. Now, that's pretty cool, but it, the kicker to the story is that NASA lost in court to keep it. La- now, NASA accidentally lost this <laughs> moon dust. Um, Armstrong collected it in 1969, and yeah. it, they were. this was a really cheap deal for whoever bought it. But the problem is that a lawyer had bought this, and uh, she was from Michigan. She spent $995 on what was labeled a, quote, flown zippered bag. I mean, think about this. A cl- flown zippered lunar sample return bag with lunar dust in a U.S. Marshals auction in 2015. She sent the bag off to NASA to confirm authenticity, only for the space agency to refuse to return it. Because they realized what it was. They, they went nuts. So she sued NASA for wrongful seizure of property. A judge ruled in her favor. And bada bing, bada boom. She, let's just say she auctioned it off. And good for her. She's a lot richer now. I mean, I, th- I think. Yeah. It, it should have gone there you for go. more. Also, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, also uh, from the middle of this month, uh, when viewed from the northern hemisphere, you'll be able to see Saturn, Mars, Venus, and Jupiter all lined up in almost a perfect planetary alignment. Uh, it starts around April 17th. It's most viewable in the morning of April 20th. So to see the alignment from the U.S., you need to get up before sunrise on the morning of April 20th. Uh, look towards the east and on the horizon if the view conditions are good you can actually make out all four planets at the same time that's a pretty cool thing i think i think that's uh, very so cool it's, it's happened Venus, mars yeah it's happened a couple of times and if you can get up and look for it a few days later on april 23rd the alignment is set to become even more spectacular with the moon lining up to join the party so I have seen this happen before. If you can get up and yeah, check the internet for the timing, do it because it's truly amazing to look at. And last thing, just so you know, yeah, that's Google a, Earth. That's a really little... Google Earth has a new thing where you can go and you can actually uh, see. Do you ever play Sim City? Remember how you could see the city uh, change? Oh, sure. Oh, I saw. Oh, love some city. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So this way um, on Google Earth has a service that uses satellite imaging to let you explore the world. And you can look for your neighborhood and see it evolve. So it's a new update from Google Earth, and it's called Time Lapse in Google Earth. And you just go to, well, just do yourself a favor. I'm not going to read the URL. Just Google time-lapse Google Earth. And you'll see 24 million satellite photos from the past 37 years, which have been compiled into an interactive 4D experience. 4D, mind you, not 3D. 
Um, and now you can watch time unfold and witness nearly four decades of planetary change. I was watching this and I was mesmerized. This is yeah, definitely cool something stuff. you want to do. So look for it. It's time lapse yeah. on Google Earth. And you don't have to download it. If you're on a web browser, there is a direct link to time lapse. Okay, so real quick, the end of the show, we promised you the darling of the internet, the cutest show on TV. Uh, everybody I've heard has just been going wild about it, mainly because if you watch 10 minutes of this show, you're going to just smile. I only watched three episodes. The episodes are about 10 minutes long, so it's not very long. It's something that will make you smile, make you happy. And have you seen it? It's a Japanese TV show about toddlers <laughs> who run errands. I mean, it's crazy. You it's know, called I watched, Old Enough. I, I I looked at the clip that you uh, I Googled it and looked at the clip. It's bizarre. I mean, these kids, they say, are two to five years old, and they're letting their kids wander down the street by themselves. I mean, that seems a little odd well, to me. Would you let max, your two- or three-year-old do that? Yeah, the maximum. Yeah, they're living in villages, Mark. The maximum the, they was... let them go. Mark, I, I've been watching it. <laughs> so Right. No, I know, I, but I, wa I watched it. They were walking down the street with cars yeah, and traffic yeah, and all kinds of Yeah, with cars and traffic. Yeah, that... And the mother gave the kid a little flag to hold up, which in Japan, it's not like the U.S. where we have speed racers. Um, they st all the cars stop and it's amazing. You watch little humans do incredibly complicated tasks for their age, like going half a mile to the supermarket by themselves and carting home oranges from a mandarin grove and juicing them by hand and bringing them back to mom. Uh, they run into little obstacles as they go through, like a little boy went to the supermarket to buy three things. He only bought two of the things and remembered halfway home. Oh, I forgot that. And he ran back. And the people in the stores and people they interact with are great. And occasionally the cameramen, and obviously there are people watching the children to be sure they're safe. But this has been running in Japan for ages just ages and there's a little tiny it's been on in japan for over 30 years okay so it's a major major hit and everybody who's watched it online has commented how happy it makes them feel because it's wholesome i don't like children much <laughs> i'm sorry but this is, oh, that's lovely! Yeah, I, I'm great. not. I'm not a big children person. You know, that's it's okay. Apparently not. No, but watching yeah, okay. these children. Does your daughter take, know that or what? Yeah, she knows that, and she's going to bring up her yeah, children okay. so her children can have responsibility and actually do something, can read and. and wow! Like cool. Yeah. Very but, cool. Yeah. But this is a very cool thing, and so they have. 20 episodes on Netflix. Everybody's watching it. Uh, people are saying just handmade. People saying they love it dearly. Watching Old Enough also engrosses in such an unadulterated, adorable bliss that I can disassociate from the general pandemonium that is adult life 
And I can tell you it's true. I watched three episodes and I had to stop because it was like, okay, enough babies. But it was so sweet, so wonderful that I can't wait to watch a couple more. So if you want to make yourself smile, just take a look at it. It's on Netflix and it's called Old Enough. All right. Uh, you know, it's funny. A number of years ago, Netflix started to show documentaries. And I have to say that, uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think for the most part, before Netflix started doing that, the average person didn't watch a lot of documentaries. They were intellectual. They were, oh, no, you know, there's no entertainment there, whatever. But I think Netflix did a tremendous job of bringing Netflix documentaries to the front you know, to the forefront and people just love them right now. I mean, you know, they've gotten the big ones, like for example, the tiger King, everybody watched tiger King. That, that, that was wasn't a the, documentary. That was reality. TV. Well, yeah, that was re- it was when I mean, you're talking about challenger, the final flight, um, hunting an internet killer, crack co- cocaine, corruption, and consp- conspiracy, uh, American murder, the family next door. These are documentaries, not so much reality TV, because they're well, telling the you know, story of an actual situation. So, yeah, I mean, and people don't know enough about history. They don't have a wide breadth of what to what to study, what to learn from, because they get all the crap off the internet. So, this is a good way of education for our society. I I, I think it's brilliant, and so glad that people are doing it. Yeah, I mean, there have been really a lot of uh, of high quality things. I mean, for example, if you're interested in basketball, The Last Dance, which was the story of Michael Jordan uh, and his rise to uh, fame, and you know how his career went. Uh, and people, you know, they had won the mind of Aaron Hernandez, which was the football player who uh, was who killed himself. I believe yeah. shot himself because. You know, he, so there's a lot of that going on, and, and you find a lot of these documentaries that are very fascinating. I think Netflix has done a really good job of um, making sure that they're entertaining enough that, you know, some of the documentaries are very dry and such. I mean, the Fry Festival, which is the one that uh, just was the big collapse of the big music festival. So if you're looking for something to do that, that is both entertaining and also informative, you know, check out Netflix documentaries because they have really been good and, and they've got right now about 40, well, they've got hundreds of them online. So, uh, yeah, so that's a, we watch well, anything. Well, Inside Bill, Bill's Brain, Decoding Bill Gates was excellent. I mean, and this is a wonderful thing. And The Great Hack uh, talks about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, which is fabulous. Yep. So, and the Fire Festival documentary was actually quite Yeah, that's what I just said, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, take a look at them. I highly recommend them as well. Uh, are you watching anything entertainment-wise besides documentaries right now? There's a lot well, of stuff Well, I on finally regular. watched the second season of The Morning Show, and Jennifer Aniston, who I know is the love of your life, she is. did the most spectacular do- job. She's a she real great. actress. She did great. She really is. And anybody will love the show. And I'm also so fed up with This Is Us. I'm glad it's coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, it's the end. I mean, I've, I've watched the last few episodes and at Enough least they're already. tying I don't things care. together. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's It was a good show at the very beginning. So there's a lot of stuff. If you haven't yet seen uh, The Thing About Pam, 
it's uh, with Renee Zellwinger, and she doesn't look anything like herself. But it's a true story, and there was actually a podcast, The Thing About Pam, about this lunatic, crazy lady who I don't even want to tell anybody about it until they've watched it because you just can't believe the story there. So, you know, there's actually been some good stuff on uh, network television as well. So, well, you uh, see, lot, I can't even look at Renee Zellweger with that makeup she's wearing in it. Really, I, I oh, just it's find bizarre. it's just so bizarre. I can't watch it, so I, I'm not watching the show. So I can't well, be the only one to feel that way because I'm a big Renee I mean, Zellweger fan. You have to watch it at the end because at the very end of the show, after the last episode, when the credits are running, they're showing the actual woman that she's portraying. Which is and Pam Huff. Yeah. Yes, Pam Huff. Yeah, spot on. She looks just like her. She's got her characteristics. And she seems over the top, you know, when you're watching the show. And, oh, it can't be a real-life person. Yeah, you know what? This Pam Huff was exactly like Renee Zellweger is playing her. And uh, so if you're looking for something entertaining, that would be something that I would uh, certainly take a look at. Well, I think that's it for this week, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think uh, I think we will wrap up at this moment. And uh, thank you for being with us. I think we're going to take the week off next week. So we'll, we'll probably see you in two weeks. My daughter's but, getting um, married, and it's her wedding shower. Yeah. So everybody, forgive yeah. me, but I got to do it. Once in a lifetime, guys. Yeah, there you go. Got to do what you got to do. Have a good week, everybody. Stay safe. Look at tech. Pull out your popcorn and watch the uh, Elon show. And we'll be back in two weeks. And I promise you, we're going to have some great, great stories for you. So from Mark and me, tell your friends. We love the reviews and we love hearing them. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought.